I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. Today, I'm going to talk to David Jung from Winnipeg, Canada. David is a church leader and conflict resolution specialist. He has two master's degrees and travels around the world helping businesses and churches work through high-tension conflict. Today, David is going to offer ideas on how to stay calm and curious when people are going after you, how to find solutions when relationships are under tension, and what to do and what not to do when dealing with conflict. All this and more on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no regrets life, to make this life count, and to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. I want to invite you to join me for the 2021 CLIMB Small Church Leadership Conference. If you're leading in a small church, a small ministry, or small group, if you want to go on a mission team, if you dream of leading in the future, you don't want to miss this event. Here's how you'll benefit You'll get to listen to inspirational speakers, people like Mufid and Jesse Tomei from Beirut, Lebanon, Josue Ortega from El Salvador, Todd Assad, Tim Summerlin, Kyle Spears, Jennifer Conzen, Joel Peed, Kelsey Hahn, David Jung, Joel Nagel, John Lusk, and more. You'll receive practical instruction. Each day will have a theme to help you and your ministry grow. Every class will give you tools to revive your spirit, and grow your ministry. The materials are specifically focused to help you and your ministry. The conference will help you to grow. The Friday program is dedicated to helping you revive, refresh, and restore the joy of your salvation. We're customizing a program to make 2022 your best year ever spiritually. You'll get help in ministry growth and planning. The Saturday program will help you come up with a complete plan program, and curriculum for your entire ministry in 2022. You will leave the conference with confidence that you have in your hands the material and support you need to make 2022 your best ministry year so far. And finally, and I believe most importantly, you're going to receive massive amounts of encouragement. You'll spend three days together with disciples who are climbing the same mountain as you. You'll make friends, you'll laugh, and you'll learn every single day. When is it? December 2nd through 5th, 2021. It's coming up in Dallas, Texas. We're going to stay at the Marriott. The registration is $175. All you need to do is go to robskinner.com to register and look for the CLIMB conference tab. I look forward to seeing you at CLIMB in Dallas, Texas this year. I've got David Jung on, on the program today, and David is a church leader in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And we worked together when I was up in the Northwest for a number of years, but he is a powerful man in the area of conflict resolution. And this is an area that I've been thinking a lot about and dealing with. And one thing that if you are aspiring to leadership or are currently leading in some capacity, (laughs) and you probably are, whether it's in a job or it's in the ministry, dealing with conflict is so challenging. I mean, it's just, for me, it's like, wow. This is, this is tough. And so I'm excited because Dave's an expert in this area, and it comes from his background, which I look forward to talking about. He's also going to be a speaker at the CLIMB Small Church Leadership Conference. And so this is a preview of what he's going to be sharing, and he'll, he's got so much material, but you'll get to hear a little bit about it, and I hope that you'll come to the CLIMB Conference and see him live. Dave, welcome to the program. Well, thank you so much, Rob. Dave, how'd you become a Christian? You know, I think for sure, most people would say by God's grace, for sure. (laughs) Um, I was uh, in my second year of university, the University of Toronto in Canada, and I was walking on a route I didn't normally would uh, would walk at all. And uh, uh, some people that were finishing sharing their faith, they were getting their bicycles, and they decided to uh, turn around. And I noticed the guy turn and walk towards me, and I thought, 
at first I thought, is he going to attack me? That's what I thought. <laughs> and so I, I was ready. And then he, he, he said, hi, I'd like to invite you to a Bible talk. And I had never, I was like, a what? What's a Bible talk? <laughs> and then uh, from there, I studied the Bible. And, uh, you know, it was amazing. Just I just heard God's word. And I, I became a disciple. It took uh, about a month and a half. I was, it was uh, November 16th, 1045. I was baptized. So yeah, it's been a while. It's been almost 30 years now. So yeah. What year was that? Uh, 1991. 1991 in Toronto. In Toronto, Canada. That's right. That was my home where I grew up. Uh, yeah, it was by God's grace. It was amazing. I don't normally walk down that area. I just, it was really weird because I normally would take the normal way of getting back to the building where I, I went to school, but I decided to walk all the way around. That didn't make any sense. But now I know why, because they, they didn't normally reach out down the street I was in, because it was just not a normal area. It was, it was a side street where the building was. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I know it was not normal that I would do it. I, I never did it before in the years I've been university. It was just, for sure, it was one of those moments where, you know, it was a grace moment by God. Can you tell yeah. me a little bit about your life before Christ? You know, I, I mean, without getting into hundreds of gory details, I mean, we grew up the family is pretty dysfunctional. I, I think my dad and mom had a lot of challenges. My, my I, I would say, um, I love my dad very much. Uh, he was into the wine, women, and song. And so that was kind of the uh, negative side of it. And it certainly had a lot of impact in my family. Um, and so uh, we were pretty much left alone to grow. I mean, I'm sure that was something to do with his background as well. So uh, we grew up in a pretty, um, you know, at one point, really rough neighborhood. I mean, you would call them the projects. So we we, we learned from the 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 environment of how to make choices and stuff. And so I have a younger brother and I have a younger sister. Um, so, so the, the three of us kind of, kind of did our thing. Uh, mom just did, did as best as she could, but my dad wasn't super around a lot, but I mean, like I said, I, you know, in Jesus, we have a relationship now. So, so my sister's a disciple. My brother has yet to find Jesus. My parents are not. Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of the rough area we grew up in the city. It wouldn't be a choice area to live uh, for most people in Toronto for sure. Now you grew up fairly. I I had heard from somebody that you were gang activity or something <laughs> like that. Is is that true or is that uh, just a rumor? Well, you know how fish tails grow, and the bigger the fish gets bigger and bigger. Like <laughs> we were a group of friends. I would say that we be collectively we were involved in activities probably less than legal, you know, um, and we protected one another. Yeah, we'd get into fights and stuff. I mean, we wouldn't call ourselves a gang. We didn't have a name or a T-shirt. But apparently the school called it a gang. <laughs> so it was an organized group. I mean, we weren't organized that way. But yeah, I mean, by some definitions, we were, you know, it was kind of my family, you know, if you know what I mean. So, so you know, there was no leader per se, but there's mm -hmm. three of us who were more influential. Yeah. So, I mean, I learned a lot about leadership from there. Uh, but yeah, that was my, that was kind of my family, uh, um, uh, unhealthy family per se. Uh, some of these, some of my older friends aren't doing super well. I think one of them got out of prison two years ago for uh, um, uh, attempted murder, actually. So I knew that when my, when my oldest son would graduate, um, that he would be out of prison. <laughs> so, so those are some of, some of the boys I grew up. Wow. And certainly, once again, it's by God's grace um, that, uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I mean, no, but in a way that the police would call it that, but I, I, we, we, didn't, we didn't have labels for that. Got it. <laughs> so I don't know if that helps. So it does explain why you thought the disciple approaching you may be attacking you. There was that first instinct. Yeah, that because that's happened to me before where mm -hmm. people would jump each other. So I thought, but then when he threw the Bible, I did, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's uh, it's funny now. Back then, it was very scary for me. So, you know, you live by the sword. Um, right. Yeah, that's the scripture, the rest of that. How did you meet your wife? You know, I met her in church um, and she was... Uh, uh, converted single at that time there was a great divide between the campus and the single you never dated singles it was interesting that way uh but yeah she was uh, uh the sister of another sister in the campus ministry a twin sister and so she converted um her and then she was in the singles ministry and uh, you know i mean i i was wasn't open to her at the time because i think i was certainly blind it was i, I had a very m deep mindset of what i wanted and you know i'll tell you one day it was one of the situations where um, I was doing communion um, prayer and one of the brothers, my brother-in-law now was doing communion. And it was for the, it was for the kingdom kids group, which was like 250 people at the time because the church was so big the kingdom wow. kids group. And I remember just looking at this lovely vision of a woman and he had finished his communion talk. I didn't know. 
and, and, and he said, Dave, and I didn't hear him. And he just, he hit me. He goes, David, it's like, what? He goes, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. And I, then I realized, I think something's wrong. I, 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 I noticed this sister. I didn't notice her before. We talk a lot. I even tried to set her up with some other brothers. So yeah, it was like God's joke on me. Uh, but yeah, so I met her. We dated for a while and, and we've been together since 1995. We have two kids, 23 and 22. They're both disciples. Uh, they're actually in uh, Korea now, studying uh, Korean in the international ministry in Korea right now. I know, right? Wow. <laughs> I know. So it's pretty cool. So you come from a Korean background? You're, you're... I'm Chinese, actually. My wife is Korean. Yeah. So my oh. kids adopted some of the Chinese heritage, and now they're kind of embracing the Korean heritage. So they're they're doing things in Korea right now. And your wife speaks Korean. You know, she speaks actually English, French, Spanish, and Korean. Oh my! She speaks gosh. four languages. Wow. I just speak English and Chinese. So I'm just, uh, yeah, it's just me. <laughs> so, yeah, she speaks a lot of languages. That's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Now, can you give me an overview of how you got to where you are today in your career? Uh, interestingly enough, I was in architecture school. That's how I started off. But then I realized it wasn't going to pan out because it was just too much money for me. So I, I kind of jumped into um uh, you know, a, a philosophy major instead to finish school. But the second year of my Christianity in 1992, I was asked to be an intern. I didn't know what that was at the time. I didn't grow up going to church. I mean, it was forced vacation Bible school for us. To me, it was, that was just miserable. I think my parents just wanted out of the house. Right. Uh, so I didn't have anything about Jesus Christ. But so I, I had, uh, uh, was becoming an intern and they had a lot of staff. And so somehow, uh, once again, by God's grace, I made the cut into the fall. So there was like six of us that stayed. And so I, I was a, I became a campus minister um, and I had no clue what I was doing. And so somehow I ended up leading 90 people. I was like, that was probably a massive mistake. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. And so some of the young ministers now I know like, oh my goodness, you got to train these folks. So from there, um, I, uh, you know, I, I met my wife. And, and so from campus, we moved on to lead us a, a marriage ministry, about 250 people. So we were two weeks marriage and married and we were leading marrieds of 30 year old married people. <laughs> so, so once again, it, it was a fish, fish out of water. And so from there, uh, we led in Toronto for a while, a big region, uh, actually a big sector um, called the Brampton sector. So we really loved that ministry to death, um, kids everywhere. And then in 1999, we were asked to, to come to Winnipeg uh, to be able to lead. And so it was 22 years ago, bro, 22 years ago. So the church was pretty small back then. Um, we didn't plant it, but it was just a year in. And then uh, um, I think what happened was we saw there was a lot of mental health issues here. There's just lots, uh, lots of abuse background, tons and tons of emotional sexual abuse. I don't think, I'm not sure it was indicative of, of the church itself or the city, with a lot of that. And so I started to be able to realize I was out of my depth. I could not handle some of this stuff connected with faith. And um, so I started reading a lot of books, believe it or not. And I said, okay, faith and spirituality counseling. So I read more and more of it. And over time I said, you know, why don't I go to school? Because this is ridiculous. The amount of books I'm reading. Cause I read it out of pure necessity. Right. It wasn't like, Oh, I want to be a better person. Right. Uh, so I went back to school and so I got my uh, um, counseling diploma and, and professional counseling diploma. And so uh, I talked to the board and they let me keep my professional practice to keep my, my accreditation up. So I'm a registered professional counselor in Canada because that's the only way you get a license. I have clinical supervision. And so I was a mental health, health counselor since uh, a while ago, I think it was 2005. And so I figured that out. Um, so it's been a while. Uh, and then what I found was more and more disciples were, were getting help. And uh, once again, by God's grace and other churches started hearing about it and they started asking questions. And one thought came to me where one person called leadership, um, one of the churches, and then this, another person called from the same leadership team two days later. And I was like, what are you doing? Don't you guys talk? Right. <laughs> and so I was telling them the same conversation. So I was like, you know, why don't I, why don't I tell you all at once? And then they say, why don't you come to a workshop for us? I was like a workshop. What do you mean by that? I'd, I'd never workshops. Mm-hmm. What's that all about? And so I put something really badly together and I, and I went and did it and it was a hit and more and more people heard about it. And I had more and more people call and I was like, what, what's going on here? I, I, that's too many people. And so then 2003 hit and a lot of people were calling for support ministers that were going through internal conflicts, a lot of PTSD, a lot of uh, mysterious illnesses in the sisters. And I mean, I was not prepared for that and a lot of them came out of the ministry were hurting 
And so I did a lot of support for them, uh, oftentimes without money, because they just didn't have money at the time. So I, I helped a lot of folks. And I realized, you know, I was getting better at it. And I had my own private practice on the side. But the interesting thing is, more and more people were calling like off the charts. And I don't have a website. I have, I have no advertisement, like nothing. I, 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 you know, I'm a church leader. This is what I do. But this is on the side. Um, I saw a lot of what people were calling about. It wasn't, it wasn't mental health, a lot of it. It was very much conflict related, which is some similarities. And so I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, there was a small conflict element in the mental health side. But I started reading more books. And then, you know, I, I had another major discovery. You know, why don't I go back to school? Because this is silly. I'm reading books with no accreditation. So I went back to school for that. And so I got some credits from a different university. Uh, one of the bigger ones where I got a conflict resolution mediation uh, certific certifications from here in Winnipeg at the, uh, the center here. I also did some stuff at Cornell. So I, I learned some stuff from there as well. And so I added together. And then next, you know, um, we we're dealing with bigger conflicts. And then I think some of the folks in the ICOC started noticing. They're like, what are you doing? We're hearing your name everywhere. Uh, I thought you did mental health. I go, well, I, I think I kind of do. Uh, so I, I had career ADD. I didn't know what I was doing. Wow. It was everywhere. And so after a while, they're like, you know, you're pretty good at this. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Uh, and so uh, the rest led to it. And then so from the place where I got trained, one of the the, the trainers tapped me and said, hey, you know, you're really good at this. I'm like, at what? They're like the conflict and teaching stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah. I could be from the preaching and the mercy that the brothers and sisters had allowing me to preach here for 22 years. I learned. And then so I became a contracted trainer with this uh, leadership company. And then uh, I, mean, I learned a lot of organizational health. So now I'm one of their trainers, consultants at the company, and I'm probably one of the busiest ones. Um, and so I do work all across North America, you know, and they fly me around. And then the ICOC, um, with some of its challenges, um, you know, brought me on to do some work, a lot of it pro bono, a lot of it supporting big churches, little churches. So I do a lot of work around. And so that's how I ended up in Panama, to be honest. <laughs> so it was a journey that was not planned, Rock. It was, uh, everything was more like, what, what? Mm. <laughs> And so now I, I think I kind of get it. And so I just kind of follow the spirit's leading wherever it lets me to go. I do some planning, obviously. And so I do workshops all over the place now on conflict. Wow. So I think that's the long and short of it. I try to do as short as possible. So you Does that answer the question? Yes. Yeah, so you saw the need and then you, you got the education to the certification to be able to meet the need, but first in mental health and then secondarily in conflict resolution. That's right. Now, do you work with Steve Staten? I know that he's another name that... I think of when I think of conflict and re, you know, mediation and issues like that. Yeah, you know, he kind of started this and he was kind of what they said, the OG of it all. He kind of started it all. And, and so he started working with the, the ICOC on many different projects, right? Um, I mean, what I do is a little different. I, I think I'm more uh, nuts and bolts and on the ground. I'm not saying he doesn't do that, but he he's very much into, uh, I mean, he's so smart. He's so re well-researched and he does a lot of great reports and, and uh, you know, longitudinal studies and things like that. I'm more, I mean, I do that stuff too, but I really, I don't like it as much as just not my thing. So if I had to compare it, you know, I, I like a lot of the groundwork. I don't mind getting in there and getting down and dirty because I don't, I'm not really afraid of conflict that way. Uh, I actually, I actually like it. I don't mind it. So when people have conflict, I see it as like a Rubik's cube. Ooh, how can I, how can I deal with this? Right. So it kind of excites me. Some people think it's weird, but you know, whatever it, it works for me. Uh, so yeah, so I do work with them sometimes depending on what project, uh, but generally we, we collaborate on different ICOC things. For example, the ICOC 2.1 or 3.0, whatever you want to call it. There was a, there was a, one of the mandates was to set up conflict resolution um, at least training, a little bit of help around the world, a little bit of support. Mm. And so, yeah, so I'm connected with that way. And we still talk and we say, hey, you know, but he's he's got his, uh, for sure, he's got a lot of work in business right. and his uh, private practice and so do I. So, yeah. It's interesting that you <laughs> talk about a Rubik's Cube and loving to solve the problems. I could be the only one, but dealing with conflict for me is one of my least favorite parts of the job. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. It, why, why do you think it's so hard for, for people to deal with? I mean, obviously, you have a totally different approach. I'd like to talk to you more about that. But what makes it so difficult? You know, I, I don't think there's one answer for it. I mean, a lot of it has to do with perhaps your story of what conflict is, right? Not yours, but everyone else's. I mean, I, I, I kind of look at, I just go, go take it back to the Bible, right? 
I mean, when God meets Jacob, what's the first thing they do? Hey, let's fight. Let's wrestle. I mean, if we saw that from the outside, we're like, what are they doing? And as parents, we're like, stop fighting. Well, no, God, God wrestled with Jacob. That mm-hmm. looked like a fight. I mean, all the chaos. And mm-hmm. so for me, uh, there's a, there a great book by, I mean, if, you, if somebody wants to use this as a resource, it's called The Peacemaker by Ken Sandy, K-E-N-S-A-N-D-E, Ken Sandy. And, and basically, he has this concept that, you know, in Matthew, it talks about us being peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, right? And so he uses this analogy of if you're on a hill, let's say you're on the top of a mountain and the left side is covered with ice and the right side is covered with ice and you want to stay in the middle. Staying in the middle is where peacemakers are. But if you go off to the left, you slide off and that's where peace breakers go. Peace breakers are the folks that go in there and they smash everything. And I like to say, if all you have is a hammer, then everything looks like a nail. <laughs> so, so there's folks that get into conflict all the time and, and they don't seem to know that that's not the only thing you can do. And then the other side of it, if you slide down the other side, they call them peace fakers. People that, no, 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 it's all good. There's no conflict. Everything's fake. So so peace fakers and peace breakers, you don't want to be. And so I find with most people, they either lean to peacemaking, which is great, or peace breaking or peace faking. So when you look at that, so why is it so hard? Because when you engage in conflict with people, most people are designed to be comfortable. And when anything that makes you uncomfortable, you're going to avoid. And so there's that tipping point where my needs are not being met and I'm uncomfortable. Well, if it's uncomfortable enough and your needs are not being met, like at what point do you break out of the comfortability shell, mm. right? Because even rabbits will bite you if you mess with it long enough, right? <laughs> and so uh, everybody gets into it. So conflict is a beautiful element to it. Look at how God uses it, right? You know, Abraham had conflict with God, bargaining. I mean, even a Middle Eastern bazaar, it's a lot of conflict, but, but the end, then they walk away saying, I got a bargain, right. you know? So, so it's, it's your story. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I think conflict's neutral handled poorly. It's destructive handled. Well, it's constructive. People come to the table. There's honesty. So it all depends what story and your story has a lot to do with your family of origin. Like let's say you're impacted heavily by it. Right. And so you might avoid it or you're impacted heavily by it. You want to control it. And so uh, kind of knowing who you are and how you handle conflict will probably give you a better chance of either not dealing with it and getting support or, Hey, is this the hill I want to die on? You mm. know? Um, so I don't know if that kind of answers the question. No, that's, that's great. I mean, we could go off and I could sit on your, your couch and just tell you about my, my, my background, but we'll save that for another time. <laughs> I would love that. Over can, can you give some general overall advice just some big picture items in dealing with criticisms, attacks, and complaints. I mean, anyone in leadership, whether it's in a secular job or in the ministry or even in a family, they're going to face conflict. I mean, in attacks. Uh, it, yeah. seem, it seems yeah. like it's increasing, but can you give us just some ground rules, some some big picture items to help to know how to, to navigate this area? You know, yeah, I, I mean, that's a really huge question, but certainly there are things that I've noticed over the many years being a management, uh, you know, I, I, I help workplace conflicts and organization, organizational health. And so what I find with most people, one of the big things is, I mean, you've heard of emotional intelligence, EI, right? I mean, there's, I mean, this is simple, simplified version is being aware of your emotions, learning to manage your emotions, and then using those emotions to be able to help others around, Okay. And so oftentimes people hate conflict is because they just, they have a narrative that's not right. And if they don't correct that narrative and really see that it's part of the job, right? That's like, I, I want to be a doctor, but I don't like blood. Well, then the certain kind of doctor you can be, but most will see some kind of blood, right? So if you want to be a minister and preach God's word, and then they end up killing, I mean, what does Jesus say? If they hated me, right? They're going to hate you. I mean, mm. what does that mean? You're going to probably not going to get a Christmas card. You're going to not be, get a lot of fan mail, you know? And so I think that's the first thing. People have to be intelligent enough to know, is this the job for me? And oftentimes, I mean, somebody said this, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, right? And so we got a lot of fish climbing trees here. And so if they're not down with conflict, I don't mean like conflict every day. I'm like, right, you know, right, of course. But if they can't handle it, they're going to collapse and they're going to do a lot of character breaches um, in order to manage the conflict by avoiding it, peace, peace faking, or they end up shutting people out or firing them all or shutting everyone uh, down. And, and that's going to lead to more conflict. Then they'll just go underground with you, right? So with churches, I've seen either you left that sucker too long 
right? Or, or, or you know, you're collaborating with the conflict, uh, conflict and you're not really doing well as opposed to knowing what it is. So that's the first thing, knowing kind of where you sit with conflict, the understanding who you are and how you manage it. And if you're not aware of that, then you could be peace breaking without seeing it, peace faking without seeing it. And then that's when I usually come in, you know, because what could have been put out with a garden hose, now it's a five alarm blaze, right? Because um, conflict, inside every small conflict, there's a huge one waiting, right? I think that's the first aspect. The se second aspect, I think ministers and many people, they can't identify where the conflict is and they attack the wrong thing. Um, so, I mean, let's say I work with mental health. Let's, let's, say, let's, let's say someone's having what we call intrapersonal conflict. They can't deal with themselves. And then they make it about you. Because the ministers are oftentimes a target because you're the, for, you know, you're the first line of defense and you're supposed to be holy and supposed to be perfect. And right. so you're the target of many things. Well, a lot of these folks aren't doing well with themselves, right? And, 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 and I'm, I'm a very much believer in, in when we're balanced in our relationship with God, relationship with others, and a relationship with ourselves. Every scripture has something to do with that, right? Um, even loving your neighbor as yourself, you have to have a healthy self-love in order to love your neighbor the way you love yourself, right? And loving God. Well, if you don't have that healthy view uh, of, of yourself, you're going to take it up and you're going to, you're going to, you know, say you had some childhood issues, you're going to want Rob to solve it. So mm. oftentimes, Rob, you're paying for the sins of another person and you can't apologize enough for it. And so when we deal with that um, and we don't know how to target the conflict or sometimes it's a systemic conflict that you can't solve at a local level, you just mm. can't. That's like, you know, you arguing about, supply and demand of big screen TVs with the Walmart clerk. <laughs> they don't have, you know, but you'll see people do it and they become famous on YouTube, right? I think the coffee beans are too much money. You're like, I get 11 bucks an hour. I don't know, right? And so they're taking it to the wrong spot. So it's funny. It's, it's, it's funny on YouTube, but that's how these things show up. So in the end, I, I really try to help ministers. Hey, do you have any clue where this conflict sits? Are you trying to are you trying to solve a plumbing problem, but you're an electrician? And oftentimes I make this joke. Yeah, but David, we've got the best electrician in the world. I'm like, yes, but it's a plumbing problem. Bro, we got a world sector electrician. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. But bro, he's been an electrician for 30 years. That's great. It's a plumbing problem. And they're like, Dave, you don't understand. This guy prays every day. And I'm like, okay. I think you get it. Like it's the wrong person, right? Right. right. And 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 sadly, I mean, just because someone is t-shirted you know they got i'm an elder i'm an like bro i can have a great elder really wise but if he doesn't know how to fix cars i'm gonna let him touch my brakes right right, right. It, it conflict resolution is a skill to learn for sure and so i find that's the second thing ministers they they can't identify and it's not hard to do identify where it sits right and then you'll know should i deal with this or not do i need some more support right right and the last piece of it is how far is this thing spread mm. right I, I mean we all have conflict like, you know, you and your wife may talk about something and you're mainly in the problem solving mode. Hey, Rob, you forgot the milk. No problem, honey. I'll go get it. No problem. Right. But what if it's starting to say something, you know, you're just like your mother. Uh oh, <laughs> right. And it's where that come from. Right. And so when you kind of know where it escalates to, um, you know, the different stages that I will share about in uh, the come to the climb conference, you'll see it, mm -hmm. but I'll share about it. Um, and you'll see right away. Um, it spread too far just for everybody. Why don't you just get together and get along? No, it's because they're in the, if they're in the antagonism phase, you put them in a room, they're just going to fight. Right. And they're going to hurt each other and re-victimize as opposed to, no, this is the right process for the, 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 where, how far it's spread, you know? And so sometimes they think it's a, a interpersonal problem, but it's systemic. Systemic problems have a lot more complicated ways to deal with it. Right. And so just walking in, you know, and I, I like to say this, Rob, I mean, think about the Bible says to go make disciples. And you're so awesome at that. I mean, you've taken that word, go make disciples, and you've expanded go into programs. Amazing. And our movement has study series based on go this, 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 okay. But let me ask you, and the Bible says, go show your brother his fault. Do we ever teach that word go? No, we, we rarely do. We'll no. just go. What do you mean just go? That's like telling your son at five years old, you go get a job. Like, hold on. He needs some support, right? So you go tell a brother or sister, go, right? It, 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 you need a little more support, right? Just like when we say go, I mean, are we using 1950s evangelism techniques in 2021? No, right. we don't because it evolves. Right. Well, conflict resolution, now we live in a very volatile and uncertain world. 
right? You don't even have a clue where that conflict. And now we have COVID, a great incubator for anxiety right. and depression. Oh, they add all that on. I don't know why people would have conflict locked in the same room fighting about Wi-Fi bandwidth. Like, like of course, right? I mean, mediators are making tons of money. Like, we don't mind. Counselors are making tons of money. But the thing is, some of this stuff, if we have just some good teaching, some basic stuff, I think managing ourselves, learning where the conflict really lies, and also kind of knowing how far it's spread. These are some of the keys to figuring out, should I be dealing with this? Right. Should I be looking at this, right? And oftentimes, I think the last thing I would say is that sometimes we have people in our churches, because our churches are loving, are kind. And even on our worst days, we're trying our best. We really are. Mm -hmm. So all kinds of broken folks come, all kinds of fish. You got guppies, you got octopus, you got sharks, you got all <laughs> kinds of people, right? And so you're going to wonder why sharks bite guppies. And so sometimes you do have some folks in there that need much more support than the minister can offer or should offer. Right. Because we're not, I can't say, well, not everyone's a mental health specialist. Right. They're not trauma specialists, right? right? Uh, just because you've done a couple of courses doesn't mean you know how to deal with someone with a massive massive narrative uh, some some part no fault of their own and so they need extra support to deal with high conflict personalities mm. and to know when you know what i can't deal with that right what's some of my techniques not to make it worse right and so to identify that very quickly because i've made some huge mistakes with folks that are like that i didn't offer the right support and then it became a target of blame and then that was it man my life was miserable right. i noticed with them wherever they went now they're following me i had three stalkers in my life bro three Whoa. stalkers chasing me around on the phone and the internet, you know, wanting salvation. I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I can't help them because it's not really me. It, right. It's their narrative. And so how does one support that? Especially if you just came out of, you know, ministry school, it doesn't prepare you for that, but there are ways to learn how not to make it worse. Wow. Right. And how to give these people support. And sometimes, you know, that support involves, they taking some time away from the church because they're too destructive to the church and themselves. And so how do you theologically do with that for sure? Mm -hmm. So those are the four things that I would share. I think, um, you know, just, and I know it's not a lot of details, right, but you know, come, come to the conference for that. But uh, these things get people thinking right about, huh, you know, where, where have I, where have I dropped the ball here? And at least, you know, where to identify um, where I need some support and learning. Mm -hmm. Does that help a little bit? Absolutely. Very, very helpful. When someone's going after me and it happens from time to time, I have, <laughs> I have a hard time breathing yeah. and talking normally. I mean, I, it's weird. Like I'll, I'll have times where I'll hyperventilate or I just literally can't breathe and I can't talk. And if I talk, it sounds really weird and my heart races and I start sweating. And all I'm thinking about is just try to try to keep cool. Any, yeah. any tips to keeping things cool in a, in a high tension situation? You know, I get asked that a lot because you can learn all the techniques, right? But here's something you and I both know. We know way more than we do, mm. right? I know it when I'm calm, right? Anybody can sail in good weather, drink your pina colada, you know, have a piece <laughs> of toast, and it's fine. It was when the storm comes. That's when the sailors come out. You're like, okay, I got this. And so, I, I mean, I don't know if people are going to like the answer, but part of it is, you're going to have to go through it, right? In order to feel it and know whether or not this is what you want to do, right? And so, I mean, what you're really trying to manage is a couple things, your own story. Like, like, okay, so what's the worst that can happen, right? Oh, no. And then, you know, your anxiety jumps up. Right. And, and I mean, I don't know if you've been in a situation where somebody's jumping all over you. But meanwhile, once you did a little bit of clarification, they weren't even really that angry at you. Nothing to do with you and somebody mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. And so you're all stressed out about you. Right. And so I think a lot of it involves a lot of pre-work on yourself and pre-work on your own theology, your pre-work on your own triggers and buttons. Because there's some people I will not take on as clients or I will have somebody else do that, have a different personality because I know. Um, that's part of identifying, am I able to handle and work with this person? Because that's mm. just silly, right? Right. Uh, uh, to be able to walk into a situation. But of course we have this paradigm where if I'm the minister, I should be able to do everything. Well, do I change brakes? Do I do people's plumbing? No, I don't because I'm not trained for it, right? So in the same way, if I don't know that high level of conflict, um, you know, and of course you can't abdicate. No, no, they're all mental. Nope, I don't know how to do it. Well, that's part of learning your skills. You have to be able to build those skills, build the skill at least to know to deal with the basic conflicts, but the non-skills. But when somebody gets all anxious, 
it's hard to deal with anxiety in the moment without a lot of pre-work. So let's say you correct your narrative, right? Like saying, okay, well, conflict isn't always bad. Um, I'm going to remain curious. It's one of the things I love talking about. Mm. How do you know what they're talking about is about you? Ask tons of questions. Mm -hmm. You get a lot of room. Um, Being very curious, being curiosity before judgment, curiosity before conclusion. And so what that helps me. So it's equivalent to stop, drop and roll when you're in fire. Because when you're in fire, you're pretty emotional. Right. And so you're not going to stand around, oh, I'm going to stop locomotion so I don't spread other things on fire and drop to the ground and take away oxygen. Like no one thinks that way. So you come up with the, you know, the, the, the saying, oh, got to stop, got to drop, got to roll. So when you're getting anxious, one of the things is I got to be curious. What is going on here? What is happening? Right. What's happening? And, and uh, I mean, somebody once said this, you know, maybe even using this, this simple phraseology, what? So what now what? Like, what is going on in me? What's going on with them? Do I know? Because if I try to answer the question before I know what's going on, I'm just talking, right? And words are many, you know what I mean? <laughs> it can cause them more disasters for sure. So what? So what? Meaning that, okay, so what's the worst that can happen here, right? You know, I can always defer the conversation and ask for help. And now what? What am I going to do now to meet their needs? Sometimes as simple as I'm not able to do that right now. Do you mind if I get some support? And they should be able to do that for you. Because I like to use a soccer analogy. That little person in the net is very small compared to the net. How come the soccer scores aren't like 500 to to, to 450? Because here's the thing. You have other players that don't give you time and space. Mm. They tackle you. Well, oftentimes in conflict, you do have the option of time and space, but we don't take it. And then we don't know why we can't score, Mm. right? So it's okay to say, I don't know. It's okay to say, I, I don't know how to handle this, but it's okay to get some support. The other problem is, now who do you call? Right. If you don't know anybody, and, and I know the Bible says, you know, when your brother sins against you, you talk to him, you can't win him over, go get another person. But what if you get someone that's equally incompetent? Right. Then what? Right? Somebody's got to have the competence and the character to be able to come together and bring light to the situation. Mm-hmm. But if we don't, just because I have two electricians, I'm not going to fix the plumbing problem. Bro, I got five electricians. That's great. <laughs> it doesn't matter, right? Uh, do you need formal training? No, not necessarily. Because um, a lot of times before all these experts showed up, people figured out through the village wisdom. They figured out through, you know, that didn't work. Let's not do that again, right? But when we don't learn, let's try harder. Look, you've heard this, right? Practice makes. Perfect. That's right. But what if you're practicing wrong? Then practice makes permanent. Ooh. versus practice perfect practice makes perfect mm. right like or proper practice makes right. perfect so you know you go giver try hard as you can yeah sure have fun with that electrician trying to fix a plumbing problem you, you won't be able to do that and so i find well why do they need you they don't need me they just need some of the tools so i say tools not rules wow. i don't give them rules I give them tools right. you apply them where we need to apply them for sure so i think being curious knowing your limits being willing to admit them giving yourself time and space that usually helps. Uh, and if not, then then you need a lot of support for sure. Somebody to download with. Because I think one of the big problems that I think you mentioned for sure, ministers feel alone. Oh, big time. That is, that is the 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 death, death bell. Because once you get into conflict, well, you're dealing with people's instability. Who's going to deal with yours? Right. You don't got anybody, then it goes bad, really right. bad. Right. So... So it's, it's a huge issue. And I believe it's one of the biggest reasons for attrition in the ministry is is people just go, listen, I didn't, I came here to save souls, not to listen to people rip into me. I'm here to, to be the good guy, not, not to be Mr. Evil, Dr. Evil, bad guy, you know, sorry, the reason for every bad thing that happens in a person's life. But Dave, I think one of the challenges that many ministers feel is that it just doesn't seem fair because the person who's got the complaint is coming and maybe listing off all of the the things that they're dissatisfied or unhappy with. And yet the minister is supposed to be composed and polite and caring. And if he or she contradicts the person or offers a different opinion or different view, they get labeled as harsh or not getting it or hurtful or creating trauma. And so 
what is what does a minister do in that situation? Because it just doesn't seem fair. It has to do with the story you tell yourself of what it means to be defensive or what it means not to push back. Like, and so people, but bro, the scriptures say in Matthew 5 and the Sermon on the Mount, turn the other cheek, love your enemies. And I'm like, okay. So turning the other cheek and all that. So you, all you got to do is do a Bible study because if it's not based on theology, your practice is a little bit off. And so I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example, okay? So Jesus taught, turn the other cheek. Right. So you would think that, well, some Christians would be like, well, okay, that means I just got to sit and take it. Right. Well, I, I have a very interesting question to pose to these folks. So if Jesus taught to turn the other cheek, he should do that himself, right? Right, now, of course. Right. If you notice in John 18, he got hit in the mouth. Did he turn the other cheek? No, he did not. He challenged the high priest and he said, tell me if I've done anything wrong. Mm. Whoa, that's not very turn the other cheeky. What happened? Right. And people say, well, bro, but that's just David. Well, I'll go to Paul. If you know your Bible, you know, in Acts 23, Paul got hit in the mouth too. Right. And what did he say? He called this guy whitewashed tomb. He right. laid it out. Right. And then the guy goes, hey, what are you doing? That's the high priest. And all Paul said was, oops, I didn't know it was the high priest. He never apologized for what he said. Right. So how do you explain the minister of ministers that wrote like two thirds of the New Testament? He would have been aware of Jesus. Right. Jesus would have been certainly aware of Jesus. How do you explain them not doing what they said directly to do? But you see, when I look at the scriptures in the Sermon on the Mount, there's other scriptures that say, gouge your eye out, mm -hmm. cut your hands off, hit right. your mother and father. We don't take that literally, right? Right. So why would we take turn the other cheek literally mm. unless there's something more to it? Right. And there's more on that. I and mean, if they want to email me, they can get, get a, a, a an idea. I mean, there's many books that write about we got turned the other cheek wrong. Mm. It doesn't mean be a doormat. It means that we stand up righteously. That that it, it doesn't mean to like your enemy. It doesn't mean to be nice to them. Um, it doesn't mean accept what your enemy does. You know what it means is to resist the evil but not through evil. Because how loving is it for me to allow this person to jump on me and never challenge them ever, right? ever, and then allow them to walk off and destroy the rest of the church? Because as I love my enemy, am I ignoring all the people that have a covenant relationship and not loving them? Right. Like that doesn't make sense, right? The God doesn't say to love my enemy more than my, I mean, if somebody's beating up my wife, should I, like, like how does that work? Right. Well, if somebody's beating up on me, now, I do got to check, okay, what do I need to own? Right. Right? But if nothing will placate them, and what I've offered doesn't placate them, right? Oftentimes, I'll ask, what do you need from me? And they don't have a need. All they want to do is complain, complain, and complain. Then I got a great book to recommend, because you might be dealing with someone that is not going to be reasonable, no matter what you do. So the book is called Five Types of People That Can Ruin your life. <laughs> okay. It's written by a secular guy. His name is Bill Eddy, B-I-L-L-E-D-D-Y. So I do a workshop on this guy. It's amazing. I've attended his workshop. I've met him. He's a pretty cool guy. And he's a very interesting cat. He's a mediator. He's a social worker and a lawyer. That is a very strange platypus of a combination. Right. Like me, I'm a minister, a mediator, and a mental health guy. Like that's kind of Right. That doesn't come together normally. I think that's why it makes us so weird and interesting at the same time. Mm -hmm. But he has a great book talking about some folks that sometimes can't help themselves. And I, I had one minister read this book in one night and he just wept. He said, David, if I would have seen this, I would have handled things very differently. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> what are right. you going to do, right? right? Only if I knew what I knew. So I think oftentimes ministers have a really weird theological bent of what it means to turn the other cheek, but that's not what it means. Just right. like it doesn't mean to cut your hand off or gouge your eye out or hate your mother and father. There's a deeper meaning to it. And so there's an interesting take on what that actually means in the Hebrew, in the context of the people, even giving your cloak to the other person or e even, you know, uh, carrying it an extra mile. There's a reason for those things. And the people at the time would have understood it, but not us. Right. Right. And this is all verified by professors, right. you know, you know, uh, uh, brothers and sisters that are, that, no, no, that's what it means. But the average person doesn't get it, especially ministers. And they walk around thinking, I got to take it. I got to take it. There's some things you got to own, but yeah. stuff you've not owned. At what point do you challenge their unrighteousness and not allow them to rip through the church, right? And destroy it. And so there's a point in time they will actually, the problem will solve itself, right? right? Especially now, uh, people that are not being reasonable 
Um, and here's the cool thing about it. You want a bunch of other people in your life that are not like you, that are able to disciple and see it. And they, they can see if you have five different personalities that say this person's wrong, there's a good chance that's them and it's not you. Right. But who has that resource around, right? right? And I can usually help people identify some of that. It's difficult to find people that want to run into that kind of situation. And that's that's what I see is that no one wants to tackle that guy who's just a bear and who feels free to express his opinions. And, you know, this sometimes what happens is there's like a triangle where that guy is sharing his bad attitudes towards another person. Then I've got to get involved and, and, you know, face that guy down and say, Hey, listen, talk to me directly. If you've got issues towards me or the church. Um, but anyway, that's, let's move on here. At, yeah. That's a whole nother animal, yes. right? I mean, yeah. At, yeah. at what point do you tell a person, Hey, Joe, maybe another church might be better for you. You know, that's a really interesting question as well. I've had been asked that a lot. I, I try to use a matrix with this. So I, I, you know, when you look at an XY graph, okay, like say on the X axis, you know, you have deep, you have depth of impact and the other one is frequency. So if you have somebody that does some really low impact things, not very often, like why, why are you just leave that alone? Like, right. Unless you've got nothing to do. Right. Right. And the, but the things you want to tackle are, high life impact and high frequency, right? And some people will avoid that and go after stuff that's nothing because they're avoiding the big conversation, right. okay? So what it is, is you have to be able to identify as a minister, is this impacting the church? Is right. it impacting people's faith? And right. how often does it happen? Now, right. there's high impact, low frequency, like a mall shooting doesn't happen, very, but that's high impact, right? right? And so you might have somebody that does something crazy like that, uh, really off the charts once every six months. And that to me, one of the biggest things is if they're not willing to get support and you've already shared, I'm not able to support that. Especially if you're, you're not a good plumber, why would you even pretend, right? You know, I, I can do basic Home Depot stuff, but beyond that, I'm telling them I can't support this, but we'll support you while you're going through it. And oftentimes if they're not willing to get help and they're not willing to make any move on any side, then what do you have? You have a person that's not willing to solve the high impact, high frequency thing that literally is hurting the church. And there's protocols for that. Mm -hmm. And I think with our church, a lot of times it's a little too loosey goosey. And so I bring in organizational health management into it where there is a performance improvement plan in place. Very specific things like, hey, if you talk to this and this about this and share this and this and this, and you do this one more time, and it's, it's documented, it's very clear. And people are like, wow, we never thought about documenting because it's a he said, she said thing versus, you know, Rob talked to you on September 3rd. He talked to you on October 4th. He talked to December 3rd and you agreed not to say these things. You keep doing it. High impact, high frequency. Here's our examples of it. Now we got people in place. So now we have no choice but to ask you to rethink membership in the church because right. you have a covenant with us not to destroy the organization. Right. So performance right. improvement plan. And the next one's progressive discipline what do we do? Just like the Bible, right? But here's the thing, most of us, by the time we do discipline and performance improvement is when they're on the, they have to be kicked out now. Yeah, but there's no steps in between. There's no way of measuring that. And the next thing you know, they're trying to take us to court of social media, as opposed to no, we've got a clear line. Um, so I've, I've had people document for oh, two years, some of what people have done. And finally, the person saw it, the evidence, now, either they wouldn't get help, or they just leave. Which is sad to be talking about it because we want everybody here, but not if they're going to destroy. Right. I mean, as the Bible says, many people were cast out. I mean, even Paul names Alexander the metal worker was called out. You're like, what? My son's name Alexander. He's not a metal worker, but that's, that's for all eternity, bro. So, so um, you know, I mean, even if they take us to court, we have documentation to say, and, and they might say, oh, well, that's all worldly. I go, well, here's the thing. We run our churches in many ways, corporations, we have boards and budgets, so we borrow those things from the world. Why would we not borrow discipline or organizational right. health? Right. They're like, no, no, that's worldly. Like, what? No, that's not how it works. You can't pick and choose what you use. But it just seems like it's just gone crazy in terms of yeah. what is defined. Yeah, they as... drove off the other side of the road, it sounds. Right? Yes. Can you, can you just can you give some guidelines, some help? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think knowing that, okay, I, I, I mean, how's this? At the very minimum... I would say there's something I did that did not work for you. It hurt you, but in my mind, I don't know what it is, right? So I'm going to be super curious. And so, and oftentimes we're in the defensive already without realizing that curiosity 
allows you to protect yourself from that and not a bad way to protect yourself, but this is what I would do. So I would validate. Yeah. You know what? I definitely said something that didn't work for you because it's clear it didn't work for you. So, yeah. So I want to be able to help with this for me and you. Okay. So I would take ownership of that. I did something that didn't work for you. I, 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 well, I appreciate you perceived it as hurt. And so I help them, them with their feelings, but then I get down to it. What do I need to own in this? So what specifically? Sometimes people they can't give you specifics. And I'm going to send them away and say, can you think about what specifics? Okay. And so a lot of times these folks have some amorphous way of saying, well, it's just the way you said it. And what, what, and can you share with me? I really, and I'm in a curious space. What way did I share it? We shared in a really judgy way. So what do you, can you show me what, was it my eyebrows? Was it my, my boyish charm? Like, like, what are you talking about? I want to get specific. You know, I was being cheeky there, but I want to know because they themselves have to think about it. They can't just use these big buzzwords like trauma right. and then without explaining it. Because in therapy, we always ask, I was traumatized. So tell me what you mean by that. Tell me what you mean by that. Tell me what you, until the point they might realize, you know, I don't have anything specific. Well, love you, sister. Hey, I'm wondering, can you maybe take a couple of days and think about what specifically? So when they come back, I'm making them do the work. Like, why am I doing all the work? They have to tell me. Because it says, go show your brother's fault. It doesn't say, make him go guess his fault, right? It doesn't say that specifically. But I got to have a lot of discipline to hold to that curiosity. And right. Say, well, what do you mean? What do you mean by hurt? I don't know. But they go, you know what, Rob? Actually, it wasn't that hurt. You know what? You reminded me of my dad. Got it. I'm not your dad. Mm -hmm. So next is, what do you need from me? You know, I need you to say it differently. Okay. So how would you propose I say it? And let them come up with a cool statement about evangelism. Let's say they come up with a really cool statement. Then I would ask them, hey, I appreciate that. My question is, how will that come across to the rest of the people? You know what I usually get? Silence. Because it doesn't work for anyone. You know, I want you to not be accountable for stuff I need to be accountable for. Okay, sounds like a good idea for you. So how would I get that done for the rest of the leadership meeting? How, how would we do that? You know, 90% of the people stand there like, uh, because they want you to solve their problem. But you're not solving their problem. They got to solve their own problem. So does that, does that help? That helps a lot. That, that does help. And it's just, it, it just seems a little bit crazy to me. And I, I was listening to, I was reading a book called uh, a Failure of Nerve. And, you know, just talked about how we're not responsible for other people's feelings. And I, I that helps, you know, because I, I, but I feel like people in general are like, you're responsible for how I respond. And I go, how can I be responsible for that? How can I take charge of, you know, if I say, I, you know, reading through the gospels, like you mentioned, look at, look at Jesus in John chapter six, you know, he says, Hey, unless you drink my blood, eat my flesh, can't be my disciple you can't have eternal life and they're like sure. hey this who can accept this teaching he's like does this offend you he doesn't apologize and then paul paul is very abrasive i mean you look at his letters and he says i wish they'd go all the way and emasculate themselves i mean tough tough you don't you just don't see him you know saying i'm sorry for hurting your feelings whether he's rebuking peter or whether he's going after elimus there and and calling him uh you know child of Satan or whatever, it doesn't seem like that we're imitating that example very much. No, you're right about that. I think the thing that I would add to that is when he became all things to all men and women, he probably would have adjusted this to the Gentile crowd because they would have not have a history of, because remember back in the Israel, it's hierarchical, patrilineal, patrilocal, it's all patriarch. So when someone is seen as the, they can say whatever they want in our day and age, very flat hierarchy, you're not the boss of me. Right. So I have to, so right. it's a different context of speech. And so when I travel to different countries that are very hierarchical, I don't talk the same way because I can't, same message. So I become like the Gentile, I become right. like the Jew. Right. And so how do I become like these folks? Well, I think the key issue is that they use a lot of buzzwords that they themselves have to define for themselves. So let's say they tell you, you know what, I, I, you've hurt me, you're insensitive, you know, that's I, I'm curious. Can you tell me a little more about that? Right. 
and be curious the whole entire ask questions to the point it's irritating for them to have to define it right because they're getting too many times why am i defending myself on something i'm not even sure right somebody said this if you gave me an hour to solve a problem that my life depended on i would spend two-thirds of the time defining the problem right we too busy answering without defining what did they mean? What mm -hmm. do you mean by that? Mm -hmm. Hey, so, you know, I think, Rob, you're responsible for solving my problems. You know what? That's a really interesting thing. Hey, where do you, where do you get that from? Right. Like, where do you get that from? No counselor will tell you that. No Jesus would tell you that. Where would they get that from? I'll tell you where they got it from. Book of Opinions, chapter four, verse five. <laughs> okay. And so it, it, it's, it's hilarious. And I know I'm being tongue in cheek, but when I use it, you know what? 99%, they sit there and they're like, you're right. I don't have a basis. That's how I feel. Okay. Right. Well, I, I feel differently. Yeah. You're the minister. So why does that matter? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. And it's a bunch of questions you ask right. them and, and you know, the answer, but you don't assert, just ask questions. And after a while they, they come to, they come to the point where hmm, I don't right. know what to do. Right. Right. Jesus says, Hey, he has no, th no sin. Throw the first stone. Have fun with that guys. Yeah. And then they walked away going, Oh, Wow. Right? So yeah. I think it's questions, curiosity. Don't assert, just ask questions. And I'm, this is not a technique. It's just a curious space to be in. Right. Right. This, and, and, and it's helpful. This is great stuff, Dave. And it just makes me wish, I wish you lived in Tucson and I could just have you jump in on some of these appointments because of... Uh, of I hate the heat, remember? You, I know it. I know. It, it seems like this... I mean, through your own, you, of, of course, you've developed the skill. It seems like this is easy for you. And, and I appreciate that. I look forward to developing my skills where I can get better at this because I feel like it's going to be very, very important moving forward, especially in this litigious society we live in. That it's lots yes. of conflict, things like this, and immediate feedback and a lot of ad hominem arguments like you're racist, sexist, homophobic. Yeah, attack you when you don't have, when, when you're being confronted by the truth, I'll attack Rob. Exactly. They exactly. pulled that on Jesus. Exactly. Well, I don't want to take up any more of your time, but let me ask you just one final question. Any advice to a person who wants to make this life count? Mm, yeah, that's a really big existential question. I mean, I, I think, I think somewhere along the line, I, I've learned that, um, I know what I'm good at. Okay. And at 51, I know what I'm good at. And I'm going to be consciously competent what I'm good at and let God use that. And I'm not going to worry about the stuff I'm not good at. I'll just get help for that. And I think that's what's helped me. I try to stay in my lane unless God calls me to go into my lane. You know, no, I, I, I've equipped you. You got to go speak, even though you can't speak. Like what? I, but I better see a burning bush. Because if I don't, I'm going to do what I'm good at and, 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 get other people and let and help them be the best that they're good at. That's what's helped me. Because mm. when I'm good at something, hopefully I like it too. Right. Because some people are good at stuff they don't like, which is terrible. Right. But I like I like what I am. And it's not about following my feelings. Is that this is what God has gifted me. Mm. You know, there are many things I cannot do, but I know what I'm good at. I develop those skills. And you know, I just let God take me. Um, you know, because the worst thing you want to be is be stuck in a situation where, you know, because I believe if you chase the skills to really augment what you're really great at god will take you to places really uh, i would have never imagined being here uh, in this space in my life but right. i think that's what it is i think i'm good at certain things um and everybody's good at something so basically what i'm saying is use your talents yeah yeah and and, and uh don't be bad don't feel bad about stuff that you don't have talents for that's what yeah. other people are around other body parts so don't right. be an eyeball trying to be a hand right? right it's very painful for the eye don't don't try to be a plumber if you're an electrician Exactly. Be the <laughs> best plumber that you can be, right? Be the best plumber you can be. Well, it, so, is, it, yeah. it, it is great to talk to you, Dave. And it's, it's what a blessing to, to the kingdom that you've got this skill set and you're willing to use it. If a person wants to talk to you more or learn from you, my wife, you know, during the break, she's like, man, make sure you find out when he's, he's, he's doing a series coming up. So can you, can you kind of give us a what you've got going, what's in the hopper. Of course, you're coming to the CLIMB conference. Thank you very much for doing that and speaking. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be front row center listening to that. But what, <laughs> what else do you have coming up and, and where can people reach you? You know, I, I run kind of a program that was, I mean, it's called the ICOC Peacemakers Training Program. At first, it was kind of um, 
church leaders and, and their people that they send. But in the springtime, I'm going to open it up to the rest of the ICOC. And in that, I actually put a manual together. Um, and the manual is free. It's an ebook, but also is PDF version. The manual is not that useful as much without the training, but with the training and the manual, it comes together and it really helps us deal with basic conflicts. And so the, the, you, can, you can find the, the website for that. It's actually hosted by the gatewaycitychurch.com. The Gateway City Church, that's the, that's the church in St. Louis. And so they host that. And so you'll see, even if you type up peacemakers, uh, conflict resolution training, you'll see that. And you can go on the sites um, to be able to find out. Then the next registration season, it should be open, if not already soon. But the first class is February 4th. And that thing, I, I try to do it for different parts of the world. And so it's 7 to 10 central time. <laughs> you know, that's because it helps works for Asia. But the one after that, it starts April 2nd. And that's 1 to 4 p.m. And what it is, is it's five different sessions of conflict resolution, and it's three hours per session. And you come out with a certification of, I've taken this much conflict training. And it's really helpful. It's good for leaders to be able to, all the stuff I'm talking about, right. I've talked a little bit about it in a form that it's explainable, transferable, right. and right. sustainable. That's what we want. Hmm. So it's all on there, um, gatewaycitychurch.com. Uh, I mean, it's backslash resources, backslash peacemakers. You, you, could, you could find all that there. Awesome. Um, is that helpful? Very helpful. Thank you so much for the time, Dave. I really appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you in Dallas. Well, thank you so much, Robin. I hope this helps everybody. Thank you so much for joining the Rob Skinner podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, please hit the subscribe button and let your friends know about it and how to find it. Because my goal is to inspire you to make this life count, live a no regrets life, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day and make this life count.